I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hey yo, welcome back to Feel Good Friday. This week, Nova Scotia and PEI have higher rates of melanoma. Let's go. Japanese couple speak for the first time in 20 years. And a stroke left a woman unable to speak. And AI is helping her restore her speech 20 years later. Whoa, dude, you missed that one. You, you should have ended after that second one. But, you know, I, I applaud your effort. Well, you know what? I actually struggled to, um, I actually struggled with, with what order that would go. See, the, okay, here, let, let me. Good just, thing Jer is back next week. I'll give you my rationale. <laughs> I was channeling Jer in this decision process, decision making process, because the 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 stroke and AI piece is is very like what the healthy and we usually do that at the end so i was like let's leave that at the end um but we could do the the japanese couple you t- you tell me you uh you be my little ai and guide me through this conversation okay i'll guide you <laughs> I'll, I'll guide you maybe we'll do maybe maybe we'll, maybe we'll do the stroke the stroke piece second all right but to kick it off some really great fun news you did say some crazy shit there for all of us homegrown uh, peeps here in Nova Scotia uh, and, the, and the Atlantic provinces. So we've, we're getting more skin cancer than other people. We are. How? There is a positive bend to this, oddly enough. Okay. So some new research. I know, right? You wouldn't. <laughs> I know. You're thinking skin cancer, melanoma, higher rates, Nova Scotia PEI. How could that be positive? But also, let me tell you, as we get into it, you'll go, oh, okay. I, I do want to say before we get into it, um, I feel personally, I'm, I'm curious what you think about this, because I feel personally, um, like a lot of people who aren't from here will be like, oh, that that weather on the East Coast, like kind of like kind of like saying like, oh, your weather fucking sucks. And, yeah. and I take a bit of personal offense to that because... I actually find our weather here is generally pretty good and it gets a bad rep for well we for, always know we know that negative that a negative trumps positive all the time like people like we have a negative almost everybody statistically everybody has a negative bias like we are biased to the things that are bad they 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 seem to overshadow the the things that are good right and so we have no doubt horrific horrendous awful weather from about mm, early mid September or sorry, early mid November until mm, or mid April. Things start to start to turn, man. I did, but like even that statement makes me feel like in my bones, like, ah, oh, that's not true. As somebody who, as somebody who traveled for like a decade in the winter and always left, I shared that same feeling. And then over the past, uh, well, really since COVID happened, I also did travel I, a lot. In the I winter. started spending the whole winter here, and now I get it. It sucks, but it's not. And I'm not saying it, it sucks. I'm not saying that I'm unhappy about it. I'm just saying it sucks. But it's not as bad as a lot of other places. And so I find that. So, like for example, if you look at Newfoundland, Newfoundland has what I would say would be relatively, considering how close it is to here, has worse weather in the winter than we do. Would well, you Brian, agree with I'm going to just tell you that your speculations here are giving away the story. So let's. Um, but let's, what but what what I was going to say from all of this is I was going. My initial reaction was like, "Oh, that is surprising that we have more melanoma because our weather is shitty." Like that was my initial yeah. reaction. But I don't actually feel that way. Like right. I so and you shouldn't. Because so I'm curious. Is it because our weather isn't that bad? So there are a lot of different reasons. There are many different possibilities for why melanoma rates could be higher in Nova Scotia and PEI. But basically, it's because we have great weather. <laughs> no way. It's essentially because we have great weather. 
And, and so, so this was really interesting. So basically they, they talked about in this article, they talked about pleasantness (laughs) and whenever you get a pleasant temperature and, and, and they didn't, they actually didn't define what pleasant is. I'm sure it's in a range. I'm sure it's like, I'm sure it's from, I don't know, let's say like 20 to 30 degrees is probably pleasant. Like above 30 degrees is pretty stanky. I I don't like, like, I'm not really a big fan of plus 30. Well, I would define pleasant as like... 15 to like yeah. 23 degrees yeah. is pleasant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, pleasant. Like you're, I mean, right. that that's the thing for me is like, I think we have very pleasant weather. I'm not a weather. sweating hog and, when and it's 23 Some degrees. people are like, oh my God, look at look at the weather in Ontario right now. It's it's 30 degrees. It's amazing. Yeah, whenever, like, whenever, anybody, whenever anybody's like, oh man, 28, I'm like, ugh. Get out of yeah, here. right. Why do you, you want, want, you want to be twenty eight degrees? You want like twenty four, twenty five, twenty six. Those are you want to be twenty eight degrees so you can have a reason to stay inside <laughs> in an air conditioned yeah, room. Yeah, right. Exactly. Um, so this was really interesting. So it said um, an increase. So an increase in quote unquote pleasant temperatures, which I don't know what the actual definition for that is, but I would probably agree with you of like fifteen to twenty. That's also around the air. The, that's probably the range where UV goes from like not. Below 15 degrees, again, I'm making fucking speculations here. I would imagine that below 15 degrees, you're probably you're probably skirting with like the low end of the UV spectrum as well. So it says pleasant temperatures, when they increase by two and a half degrees, melanoma increases by 21%. Whoa. That's a that's like a that's a that's a finding of this study. So if so that and they reference places like Newfoundland and they say, well, basically. Newfoundland doesn't get nearly as much sun as Nova Scotia does. Temperatures are are more more mild, and so we see lower rates of melanoma melanoma mm. in a place like Newfoundland. Um, also, and this is the double whammy for Nova Scotia, and why you know you don't want to live here because you're going to get skin cancer, but also you do want to live here because it's so fucking awesome. Is that if you live somewhere where vegetation and greenery is prevalent, melanoma rates increase by fifteen percent. Wow. So you're putting these two things together, the temperature what? and the greenery. And those are that? two, those are two, those are two driving factors of like what probably many, um, rates of, uh, melanoma. Do you, do you think that's because, so I was thinking of, you know, like I, I lived in Dubai for almost five years mm-hmm. and, uh, my brother lives there now. And he sent me a text the other day and said, it's the hottest I've, day I've ever experienced in my entire life. I was telling you about this it felt like the feels like temperature was 63 degrees Celsius. And you know what Dennis is getting the least of right now? Sunshine. Exactly. He's not, he's not going outside. <laughs> right. But also I was wondering about the desert in general. So like the winters in Dubai are really nice. Like mm-hmm. they're pleasant. They're very pleasant. Very pleasant. Um, but you don't really spend a lot of time um, outside. Definitely not in nature. Dubai because is just it's like a, a rocky Dubai is just like a, you know, a desert. Indoor type of place totally and so i was wondering Culturally. if it is do you think that that reason um increased greenness and in vegetation is that you know like is that correlated to like this like desire feeling to or de- desire to be outside yeah yeah so, so like it's going like, to like green spaces and green areas and like spending time out on yeah. a on a lawn or in the woods yeah. walking or whatever yeah more skin and cancer. i would probably also speculate this is again pure speculation but in places like let's say if you took the climate, let's say, because, you know, Toronto gets hot and stanky, right? Mm-hmm. In the summers. <clears throat> if you took our temperatures and just plopped them down in Toronto, which obviously is not realistic because it's in a different place, but also not just a different place, but it's also a much bigger concrete city, which traps heat in a different way. Um, but if you just transplanted the temperatures to Toronto, you wouldn't get that greenery part because... It's so hard to get out of Toronto to go somewhere nice. Whereas in Halifax, you can live in a, you know, Halifax and more and more every, every month, it seems, is a city. It's like a city city. Um, and you can still get out to what feels like the middle of nowhere in 15 to 20 minutes driving. Yeah, right. Yeah. I can get on my bike and feel like I'm in the middle of the nowhere in 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's wild. That's a very unique feature for a city. So you're getting this densely populated area that 
also feels like it can go out and like the whole population or a, a large portion of the population probably feels like like nature is very accessible here. What do you what do you think it is about greenness? And okay, from a personal perspective, um, there's this like I know that I feel this like attraction or like draw to like green leafy vegetation, um, even even in the city. So like mm-hmm. the other night I was walking yeah. Rupert. Um, it was like eleven o'clock at night. I was taking him out for a pee before bed. And one thing I love about you know, like I live right downtown and um when I when I take Rupert out at night in like May, uh a lot of the like garden beds and things that they're planting like just sort of have these little like sprouts that might be coming up. But the crazy thing is to and and I remember thinking this this year it was the second year that I lived in this apartment and I was like, man, it was so green last year. Like I'm not sure that that those little sprouts are going to be able to turn into as much green grass and vegetation as there was last year. And then we got 2000 mils of rain. Yeah. And it seems like it's even more greeny and grassier and, and there's even more vegetation this year than last year. I mean, yeah. I mean, we've also, we, and I, I know I was joking, but we have had right historic rainfalls this summer, which is, which is crazy. Like it's, it's so crazy to see that evolution over the course of the year, but in the middle of summer, like there's, there's just like, I was looking at this green grass and like just feeling this like immense amount of love for it. Like I was so happy that it was this time of year. It was like 11 o'clock at night and I'm wearing a t-shirt and shorts and I just feel so comfortable in that environment. Um, But what is it do you think that like that like draws us to nature like that? I think it's probably I'm sure there's a, a handful of things I would say from a from like an objective standpoint, I bet there's an evolutionary uh, an evolutionary biology piece to it that has something to do with the equation, like just how we're wired as as like a species. Um, I think more particularly to us as people who live in this place in the world, not humans in general, but like us living in Nova Scotia, um, Canada in general, Canada in general. Um, but the fact that our winters suck quite hard. And, and I think that's even particularly true for Nova Scotia because I think like BC in the mountains winter is not the same winter that we're having, you know, we're like BC or Calgary or whatever, like they're getting winter, winter. It is cold from November until March or April mm-hmm. and, then, and, so then many it, and then and then it warms up and there's a melt and blah, blah, blah. And you and then it's like, hey, we're going into summer here. We get we get, oh, it's, it's summer. And then like, it's winter for a day. And then it's like, Hey, let's do summer again for like three days. And then let's do fall for like two weeks. And then we'll do winter for like five days. And then let's, and then, and then let's do one day of summer. And then for all of December, let's do like a folly sort of deal. And then in January, let's get two weeks of death winter. And then let's actually then just let's, let's heat it up by 15 degrees and melt everything down and make everything slushy and nasty and dirty. And then let's kick it back into winter. And then let's give them a taste of summer for a day at the end of February. That makes it thing seem like it's all going to end really soon. And then we'll go hard winter for another two months. That's true. Um, and it fucking sucks. So because of that, <laughs> co- we have the contrast to that, which is, wow, we finally exited this bullshit. And... And whether you're consciously, we're not, I don't think many people are consciously thinking that, but going, wow, when it starts to show up, you go, oh, sweet, this is amazing. And yeah. I think a lot of people, especially in North America or anywhere in the Northern Hemisphere can like, can really sympathize or empathize with that, that yeah. reaction of like, wow, summer's here. And it, the reason it's so sweet is because we had to endure the kind of the, the you know, you can make, you, you know, you make, you make. You make do with what you got, but it's shittier than summer. That's for sure. Yeah. Like if it was summer uh, 24 or, or uh, uh, 365 days a year, we wouldn't appreciate it the same way that totally. we do yeah. here. But I think that's a, you know, like this is a fairly, uh, like we don't get this geo-specific usually on the podcast talking no, specifically about um, where where we're from and, and what it's like here. But I think that this is a really relatable experience to a lot of people who, like you said, live in the Northern hemisphere like this, who experience, um, four seasons. We just kind of have that on, on like, like turned up a notch totally. here because it is, like you said, so unpredictable. 
By now, like, Jer would be like, guys, let's just talk about something fucking different because we've been talking. Yeah, Jer would go, fuck it, this is boring. <laughs> um, like, I wouldn't want to live in Vancouver. I love Vancouver. I, I think, love Vancouver. I think Vancouver is spectacular, but I can't deal with that, that gray all the time. I really can't. Yeah. I, I would, I would, I would, I, I am fine with the shit winter to not have the gray because, you know, Vancouver gets incredible mild temperatures all year round, really. Um, yeah, it's so fun. Like hearing you say that, I don't know what it is about like my psychological makeup that like hearing you even say it's so gray there, even though I know that that's so pretty gray. true. I feel they make up for it with a lot of beautiful landscapes. I feel but, like like man, when I fuck it's gray. When I think when I think of my times in Vancouver, I don't think about the gray. No, and right. um, I feel that way about here too. Like it, going back sure. to the thing I was saying about like taking offense to when people are talking about how shitty the weather is. You know, Maddie pointed this out the other day that like a lot of the you know small talk that we have in a, in our elevator. A lot of times people are saying like, oh fuck. You know, wish this rain would stop, like wish this. And it's always this like negative sort of like commiseration about how shitty the weather is when like it's one, it's not really that bad. Like we went through a couple rough bouts recently, but, but it, like, even so it's, it's not summer. really that bad. And it's I summer. wonder what that is. Like, is it, is it that these people are just looking for some sort of form of connection in like a. You know, like, let's commiserate together. It sucks. You know, we have this shared experience. It's a negative bias, Here's, man. But, like, why Why not, like, why can't it be some, about something positive? I don't know. That's a fascinating psychological question. <laughs> um, so Nova Scotia and PEI also have a higher awareness of melanoma, like, within the population. Like, we're more, we're more like, hey, skin cancer. So, like, put your sunscreen on, like, yeah. that type of stuff. And so we have higher rates of, uh, of like, sun protection use, but it's not enough. Because we get more burns. Okay. And then we get more sun exposure, we get more burns, and then thus Holy we shit, get more, we got skin, more of everything. Cancer. Yeah. So this was actually something that um, I, 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 because I ride a uh, bike a lot and I get like kind of strange tan lines um, because of that. And so I put, I have like, I used to be a person because I, because if I get like one burn at the beginning of the summer, which I try to avoid, then, then after that one burn, I don't, I won't burn again. Like I just, I just won't, unless I were to like tr actively cook myself outside. It is. I'm it just, is. I, and I, I don't go outside to be in the sun. Like it's I funny don't give that a fuck about going outside and being like, Hey, let's soak <laughs> it up. It's funny that you say that you try to avoid it though, because like I heard you at the start of this summer going, it's getting to that time where I got to set, lay down my base burn. And uh, that's what you refer to it as your base burn. Mm -hmm. And um, that is the day you actually put it in your, I remember seeing you put it in your calendar Base burn day. this year because you were looking at the weather mm -hmm. in um, early June mm -hmm. and the temperature was was going to be high that week. Mm -hmm. And you were like, guys, um, don't book any recordings for Wednesday. I'm laying down day. my base burn. Yeah, it's my base burn day. <laughs> and uh, you just went out and cooked all yep. day. And then you yep. and then you kept saying afterwards, like, I can't believe that happened as if you didn't intend on doing yep. that. Don't talk to me until I've had my base burn. Right. Um, and so what? something that... that uh, that uh, the last thing I'll say on this is, um, uh, oh, sorry, on that on that same thought that I was on before is that I have because I've always been like that. I I don't think enough about wearing sunscreen, but over the past couple of years, I have thought about it a lot more. You know, I'm 32, and like you know, 30 years of being exposed, I've worn sunscreen, obviously, and especially when I travel, I wear sunscreen um, pretty re religiously. But I don't think about it at home as much. And I think that's probably because in relation to traveling, the sun here seems so mild yeah. um, in relation to like going somewhere, where, you know, if like Southeast Asia, for example, where I spent a lot of time. I used and, to, um, I used to cook my skin a lot. Um, yeah, especially paddle, when I was you were paddling, I did, but also like I would lay out in the sun and like put on oil yeah. and like just your burn little, myself. Your little playboy and, bunny. <laughs> well, I used to go to the tanning salon too, so but, did I. but, um, horrific, but, uh, you know, like I, I kind of notice. I feel like I have a lot of skin damage. Um, when like Brian and I say we went to the, skin, the tanning bed, we mean when, you know, when we were teenagers. Yeah. So just so everybody knows, our brains weren't developed yet. So <laughs> just so you know, just want to give that context. But I, um, we were children, okay? Yeah, and uh, which I feel like I don't know. Like I have, I have sort of like um, freckles on my upper arms and like mm -hmm. and rough skin, and I think a lot of it comes from yeah. um, sun damage. Totally. 
And so I don't like I don't really spend a lot of time outside in the sun in summer, like in direct sunlight. I'm usually doing something if I'm out in the yeah, sun, in which case absolutely. like I'll put it's an activity. You know, sunscreen on. But I don't like lay in the sun to lay in the sun mm. in the summer. I mean, that's mostly because I have ADHD and like I can't just lay. I need to be doing something. Totally. Well, I don't have ADHD and I feel the same way. Um, so Alex Dowsett, I was watching uh, one of his YouTube videos the other day. If you don't know who Alex Dowsett is, he was on the show um, with us. Um, he has a disease called hemophilia. He is, um, I'm a big fan of his. He's a pro cyclist. Uh, he just recently recently retired, has won two stages of the Giro d'Italia, uh, former world hour record holder. Um, and I, uh, I was watching him and he was talking about how, you know, he's 30, I guess he'd be like 35, 36, somewhere in there. And he was like, you know, I just, I never really took care of my skin that much as a cyclist, but he's from the UK where by and large he's riding in cloudy conditions a lot of the time. And he remarked on how all the guys that he ever rode with on his, on all the pro teams he, he he rode with, the Australians were like crazy on sunscreen, mm-hmm. and they always had the nicest skin. Huh? Because, really? Because because from a super young age, they are like sun protection is like the altar to which you pray because mm-hmm. you just need because the sun is so strong. If you don't if you're not protecting your skin, then you're fucked. So they all have like really, really nice skin because they've been protecting themselves actively from the sun. Obviously, I'm making a general statement there, but <laughs> that they're protecting themselves from the sun in a way that like a lot of other places aren't. If there is one thing I could do going back in time would be to wear more sunscreen and take better care of myself and yeah. be- have b- better uh, sun hygiene. Yeah. Well, there you go. So if you want, um, if you want great weather and a, and a little bit more skin cancer, Visit Nova Scotia. <laughs> what a nice little advert for our beautiful home. Um, unless you just protect yourself and you, you know, you know, you wear your, you wear your, you wear your, your adult, adult cap. Okay. Let's do the stroke. Let's do the stroke first. So this is, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to have a little editorial decision here. We're going to put the stroke, the stroke piece okay. here. Okay. What's the stroke piece? Okay. So a woman 20 years ago, she, I believe she's a teacher from Saskatchewan. This is a New York Times piece. Saskatchewan woman, <clears throat> teacher, has a, like a mega stroke, like a everything's different now stroke. Can't speak as a result. In a wheelchair. Um, I'm not 100% sure. It didn't really go too deep. The article didn't seem to go very deep into um, like her overall function. But she couldn't speak. She's she's she um, is in a wheelchair. If you had um, to guess, what would you say? Um, I would say she has mobil she has mobility, um, but it's on the limited side. Um, she has a lot of she has a lot of mobile aid um, happening mm-hmm. in in like the photos of the article. Was she able to go down water slides? Sorry. Is she able to go down water slides? That is such a specific question. I don't. You're trying to paint a I picture. I highly doubt they covered that in the article. I, I mean, I'm. If you had to guess, I mean, I read most of the article. I didn't, I didn't see it in there. <laughs> no mention of water slides. <laughs> hmm. If you, if you had to guess, interesting. Question. Do you think she could do water slides? I would say no. What about a lazy river? I mean, I'd say a lazy river with like the proper safety equipment. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yep. Um, has a hospital bed at home. You know, like a lot of a lot of um, a lot of physical aids um, okay. required after a stroke. So she participated in a study. Now I think we actually might have covered the first iteration of this study a couple of years ago. Okay. So two years ago, the same team that did that that published this recent study. Had so it's basically a uh, electrodes. It's an implant of electrodes onto the brain. So and, and um, you can see you can see here, Bri, that this is what it looks like. This is like what the implant looks like. Yeah, the little kind of okay. like quarter sized. Um, it's like Frankenstein's bolt. Uh, bolt, except in going into the, the side of her head, it goes into like the top. Yeah, sort more of. like more like the crown. 
and and so that that is implanted in and there's electrodes there and then and then they have her looking at an a digital avatar on this on a screen and she thinks and the avatar speaks that makes sense so it is picking up what she's putting down <laughs> yeah. how wild is that yeah it's crazy i mean it thinking and then a computer goes i know exactly what you what you mean it's i mean it's crazy but like you know it's crazy so if you told me this 4 years ago it would um, totally blow your mind totally but knowing now what is possible with artificial intelligence like you um you shared the video with me i don't know 4 or 5 months ago 3 or 4 months ago now about the uh, demonstration of artificial intelligence reading brain imaging um and and telling oh. you what you you saw in your dreams yeah right and so constructing an image out of what you are thinking right and this i mean this is effectively what this is doing yeah. with you know yeah words mm-hmm. and so so am i surprised that you can do this now no yeah i agree um, yep. is it exciting to see you know what what that technology could do you know 3 or 4 months ago being applied to uh, a use case like this where you're giving somebody who lost their ability to communicate with language back that um that's fucking awesome yeah like, that's super cool yeah so i want to say something on that but i want to just give this stat here so we can get like get some context into like how well it works um so two years ago and i believe we covered this because when because i saw i saw this article and then jer shared it in the i saw this article somewhere somewhere and then jer shared it in our in our in our folder for 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 friday content and is this recent well yeah i think the the I think the we're recording this on a Monday. The article, I believe, was like late last week. Okay. And so two years ago, the the same team did a study that got 15 words per minute via electrodes, an implant with electrodes. <clears throat> this is 78 words per minute now. Whoa. So a gigantic increase. What is that? One, two, three. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, five-fold increase-ish. And the human average is 160 per minute for speaking. So it's okay. still it's still only halfway to human, but that was two years ago. And so we're probably going to be making, it made a five-fold increase in two years. So, I mean... I mean, the rate of improvement... I'm not a math, I'm not a mathematician, but I would say that being on par with human is coming down the line in about next uh, 10 days. Do you think that that's not a good thing? <laughs> like, do you think it's better if we're forced to slow down in, in what we're thinking and trying okay, to say? For us to slow down? No, like, so you're saying that we think or speak 80 words, it's 160 words right, yeah. um, a minute. That's, yeah, it's just, that's just like a human average. Do you think that sometimes maybe that's too fucking fast? Like, do you think that people should slow down when they're speaking to to maybe communicate more effectively. Like I'm asking you, do you think that people fucking fucking speak too much sometimes when they should be more thoughtful about what they're saying? Well, because I do it. Like I'm doing it right now. I guess, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I guess it depends on what the context is on social media. Yes. But like if you're communicating with a person face to face, I mean, I mean, of course, of course there's always going to be, efficiency loss to wordiness and you know an inability to convey your idea you know with the right words or whatever it might be but i don't necessarily think we want to slow down i mean we've had this conversation before about like being able to um this is elon musk's whole thing with uh, Neuralink is like our mouth is a really 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 narrow bottleneck for what's going on in our brains like we are producing some really fucking wild things in our brains and we're trying to tell we're trying to communicate that with our mouth that's a struggle of my life and that is a big challenge for um everybody on earth Uh, and so these types of things like this is the because a lot of consumer technology 
begins sometimes, oftentimes, consumer technology begins with like a medical use. Um, and so that's what Neuralink is, is it's, mm. you know, it's, it's thing is, um, several severed, severed spinal cords and epilepsy is like in interve- uh, intervening before epi- an epileptic, um, um, event happens or reestablishing the electrical connection in the nervous, in the uh, central nervous systems in order to communicate so that, you know, someone's like leg muscles are communicating with their nervous system again in their brain. Um, and then that technology is gonna is gonna expand out and and become a consumer consumer tech that is going to have who knows what applications. I mean, like I can't even begin to really wrap my head around exactly what that's gonna be, but it will be wild and it will it will it seemed like it was far off uh about a year ago, year and a half ago, and now it seems very close. Dude, just wait. This this year. I know. Um, the, I mean, this isn't really super relevant to the podcast conversation, but I know we were talking about um, artificial intelligence, and I was telling you about um, my feelings and thoughts uh, around OpenAI and Microsoft, and how uh, Google's been, you know, lagging behind quite a bit, and even in the performance of their LLMs right now, like there's there's still a big difference. I think personally, um, in what Microsoft is capable of or OpenAI. Um, compared to what Google is, but Google just last week announced, um, like sort of drip fed some information about the Gemini model that's coming out in the fall. And they're like sort of putting everything under, you know, all, all of their capabilities under one technology. And that is likely going to be like the next, next level of like what, um, what will sort of I guess that that will unlock a whole new set of potential that yeah. you know we don't have access to right now, and then there will be another version of yep. that and another version of that, and it's happening so and quickly. Come quick. Each iteration like, will come is, faster than the last. Like the consumer versions of these things, um, like it's really it hasn't even been a year mm-hmm. since since these things started coming out, these tools, and it's just getting faster and faster and faster. Yeah. So to faster. Re- Faster, faster. Um, Hi, I'm Jesse Cruikshank. Jesse Cruikshank. I host the number one comedy podcast called Phone a Friend. Girl, let's phone a friend. Not only do I break down the biggest stories in pop culture with guests like Dan Levy and members of InSync, I do it with my own personal boy band singing jingles throughout. Because it's my show. It's your show, girl. New episodes of Phone a Friend. Yeah. Drop Thursdays wherever you get your podcasts. So work it, girl. Yeah, work it. Okay, that's enough. So to return to this, but on that same, on a, on a thought that I had about what you said there that will bring us back to this story is similar to the what we were talking about with the weather. Like summer is beautiful because winter or it's more beautiful or we appreciate it more because of winter. Humanity will be more beautiful after the AI winter. (laughs) Words are, when words are beautiful, their beauty is enhanced because there are so many shitty words and we can use them in such shitty, horrible, horrific ways. And so when words are beautiful, we take notice. And that's why great writing, great poetry is celebrated and wins awards and, you know, penetrates the public consciousness and, a whole bunch of different ways is because when it's beautiful, we take notice and we go, wow, words are beautiful. You know that I love writing. So like when I, like when I'm writing Sometimes. and I can, man, I kind of, I don't feel that way about words as much. Like I, but hold on, but hold on. Okay. I'm not, I don't, I'm not disagreeing with your personal take because yeah. that's fucking, you know, your prerogative. Um, but if I write something, if I write something, and it needs work. You'll you'll say, yeah, hey, like maybe a little bit different. But I've had times where I've written something and you've gone, wow, like, and it really nails it. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it's, yeah. Like sometimes words me, just not really the, convey. But to me, it's not the about the thing. words. Like to me, it's not about the words that you're using. It's about how effectively you communicated the idea. And so, like, I don't really find that's but why. Can you do both? And can you? Yeah, can you? Aff- I mean, personally, and I don't think that this is the right. Or opinion. are they one in the same? I don't think that this is. I don't think that this is a a good perspective to have. Um, what mine is, it's I'm just, just telling yours. you what how I feel about it. Is like, I like when I was in my 
teens and watched a lot of like rom-coms and stuff i loved poetry like, like i loved like rom-com like what what rom-com is coming up I, for you what's I, the what's the title that my, my favorite comes my favorite surface? is 500, 500 days, days of summer. summer i knew but, you were gonna say that but um um and the notebook is obviously a classic <laughs> obviously but, but but um but like what about failure to launch <laughs> no not as good how to lose a guy in 10 days yeah, how to lose a guy is good. I'm a McConaughey fan. <laughs> what can I say? Um, but but my 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 feelings. So I loved poetry at that time. Like I I was like sappy, like a hopeless romantic type of guy. Like I remember loved, you were an Oscar Wilde guy. Loved loved poetry like that. But now I find like as an art, like if I go to the art gallery, and I would read poems in the art gallery for the art of it, I could be like, this is beautiful. But it also fucking annoys me to some extent because I'm like, but what you love is podcasts. the idea? But like, you, I love, don't, you love podcasts. You love produced podcasts. And totally. all of those are written. I know. And I like, but I don't like the words that I'm not attached to the words that they're using. I'm attached to the ideas that they're communicating. And so yeah, like, right. But the so words like, are the vehicle for the idea. Totally. And it should be that it should be a vehicle and not a piece of art to me in communicating. No, so dude, like, that's what I'm saying. They're one and the same. When yeah. the vehicle conveys the idea concisely and efficiently and effectively, that is its beauty. Yes, but when it gets too wordy or there's too much thought put into like, finding, like I'm going to find a good synonym for well, this. Well, that's bad whatever. writing. That, have you right. ever read Hemingway? Yeah, I have read Hemingway. Dude. It's concise. Yeah. Easy to read. Totally. Short books. <laughs> he conveys the idea. The old man in the sea is is easy. Like you can pick it up, yeah. read it in one setting. It's yeah. like 80 pages. He or doesn't use it's 10 words when one will do. Right. So like I like that. I like that type of writing. That's I, good writing. I suppose. But what is the point <laughs> that you're making? Well, um, this woman hasn't spoken in 20 years. <laughs> um, so... The contrast to her is that she hasn't used words in 20 years. And I, 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 took, I took this piece down. Was she from bad the, at um, using them or was she pretty good? Uh, well, I mean, again, she's half as limited as a, the average human based on the technology that she's using. So um, not, um, I wouldn't say it's top flight. If you, if you had to imagine, though. You had to imagine. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to um, tell you. I'm no, going to no, tell you. No, just, uh, just let me ask this. <laughs> if I had to imagine. Because it's, it's more fun for me. It's more fun <laughs> to imagine before you tell me. Right. Because then you spoil okay. what I imagine to be possible. <laughs> okay. So well, imagine, she hasn't spoken in 20 years. So she's a little old of practice. Imagine you haven't spoken in 20 years. Yeah. Okay. You've bottled it up. You haven't said anything. But you've been you thinking. Were 10 years old. But you've, you've been, been thinking. thinking a fuckload. You've been thinking a lot. What, is the, been, what is the first thing you say? Oh, my God. The first thing I, I say? Off the top of your head. If I haven't spoken in 20 years? Gun to your head. Holy shit. What is the first thing you say? Oh my God, this is a great little audience game that we should play. (laughs) Think about that, everybody. What's the first thing you would say if you hadn't spoken in 20 years? What's the scene? Who am I I speaking to? Who am I speaking to? You've got got five words. Am I in an empty room by myself or am I speaking to five words or less. You can't can't say who's there. I mean, maybe it's your loved ones. Maybe you're in the hospital, let's say. Or you're in this lab with this fucking Frankenstein plug in your head. And and all of a sudden you can talk. Your avatar is on the screen in front of you. Everybody's looking at it. You can say one thing. Five words or less. What do you say? I know exactly. What I'm I allergic say. to dairy. <laughs> and, would I, be like, and I apologize. That would, that would explain a lot. That would explain a lot to people who are like, why do his farts <laughs> smell so fucking bad? Yeah. 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 That's actually good. I would, I'd say, I, would, I would go, why didn't you check? If I was allergic to dairy, <laughs> I would say something along the lines of like, holy fucking fuck. Like, 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 I think it's it, hard for us to put ourselves in these shoes for real. I can tell you exactly what I'd say. It would be holy fucking fuck because like having unlocking that ability would be so would feel so good that like you wouldn't know what to say. I mean, this is probably the point. And you would react in a way where you're not even really using language to its full potential. So what the actual fuck or like holy fucking fuck what whatever it is in five words or less is like just like verbalizing i i imagine to be what that feeling would be like of like oh my god it works totally. and then i'd probably say something yeah. more profound 
So something beautiful <laughs> about um, about this woman speaking again for the first time, which which really struck me was says she and her husband William, a postal worker, even engaged in conversations. She said through the she said through the avatar. So she's only getting access to this when she's like being studied. It's not at home with her all the time. It's not, right. She doesn't have the technology. It's like it's <clears throat> she's using it for the study that they're conducting. And said she said through the avatar, "Do not make, do not make me laugh." He asked how she was he asked how she was feeling about the Toronto Blue Jays chances. Anything is possible, she replied. Like I just went I just went first of all, that's hilarious. <laughs> but second of all, it's like any anything would have just been the most beautiful thing in the world. Imagine like from her husband's perspective going, we've been married for the last, well, they've been married for longer than 20 years, but for the last 20 years of our marriage, you, have, you haven't been able to speak. I've had to interpret what you want and need through like all these various methods and everything that are either slow or clunky or have their flaws. And writing. Um, Right, which like again, I'm not 100 percent sure if writing is uh, if like writing is possible um, for her. I wouldn't be surprised if it's if it's. Um, I think she can. She can go down water taxing. slides, though. Right, the water slides. Um, but being able to go to just like ask a question and get an answer like quickly, yeah, would be like would just melt melt your heart. Um, totally, it would be <clears throat> funny though if she was like, "Don't make me laugh," and. And I imagine the rope, like, have you made Siri laugh for you or ever wrote like, ha, 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 uh, <laughs> don't very, make me laugh. Oh, yeah, it's very, yeah, it's, it's very off putting. Um, it would suck not having your actual voice though, you know, like having like a Siri-esque voice to speak to. I mean, yes, obviously well, they, amazing, they, they trained it. They trained the voice on, um, on, uh, I believe they said it was based on wedding speeches. They took, uh, wedding speech videos oh, really? from uh, because like, I guess 20 years ago, you know, it's not like we were carrying around phones that recorded, you know, every, yeah. every fucking thing that pops into our head, putting it on uh, Instagram stories for no fucking reason. Sorry, everybody. Um, this is a benefit of like having a podcast. And like, if we ever have a stroke and lose our voices, there's so much content synthetically. Um, I love how I just threw shade at people who do Instagram stories and we speak <laughs> ad nauseum on a podcast every week. Um, if she could have done it for 10 hours a day, seven days a week, she would have. Man. Well, you know what? I think there is a lot of hope for that situation for her to improve drastically in the next, uh, yeah, but a week and a half until the AI revolution. So, <laughs> Okay, our last piece here which I switched to the last. I had it last, and then I switched it to second, and then I reorganized the last. This Tell is, me. I mean, it's not that crazy. It's, it is crazy, but there's not a whole lot of content here. We're not going to have a whole long conversation, or maybe we will. I mean, we can, we can talk about anything. Japanese couples speak for the first time in 20 years. Wait. I'm going to read you. This was an wait, Instagram post. These aren't the same things? No. <laughs> wait what? wow i didn't even and you know what until this very moment i didn't even see the th- no, i didn't, didn't even see the i didn't even see the connection <laughs> what the fuck what do you mean you did i was like oh this is the one we just i, I no. was like oh it's funny that you you left out the fact that they were japanese because you introed it with that and then like you didn't wow okay so here we go so here let's do let's do a different setup then okay so we just spoke about somebody who tragically has not been able to speak for 20 years because of a stroke and that is a rob like a that that I bet I'm sure feels like a senseless robbery of one's capacity to fully express themselves in their relationships with I don't the people like around where them. This is going. Okay, in contrast to that, a man in a in a in a, in a relationship in a in a, in a marriage. Decided not to speak to his wife anymore. Oh, that that's a divorce. Well, let me tell you. So, uh, so what I did is I t- I looked at this, I saw this, and then I actually looked into. I saw a comment on the post on Instagram, and then I looked into some of the like cultural things around divorce in Japan to try and get some context for like because to what you said, it's like divorce. Well, I would just divorce. Well, there's some cultural. Um, it's not. Do they live together? It's not as straightforward. So do they share a bed? O, o, 
O2 Katayama back in 2017 admitted that her husband, or no, sorry, that he had not spoken to his wife for 20 years, despite living together in Nara, Japan. Their 18-year-old son, Yoshiki, which means that they were not speaking when they conceived their son and then didn't speak his entire life. Wow. Revealed that O2 communicated with his wife through nods and grunts. Their son prompted a meeting between the couple in the park where they had their first date and O2 opened up about his jealousy towards the attention his wife gave to their kids. The, the, this emotional conversation marked the first time they'd spoken in 20 years. Okay. So, okay. Super happy for this uh, guy that he opened up and was able to say that. That's a big step, obviously. <laughs> 20 years of the making. Yeah. But also, again, you, your, your first thought is my first thought. And was this, and the top comment on the Instagram post as well was that first thought. Like, why don't like just get divorced? My first thought was uh, the Jody Carrington. It's not what happened to you, or sorry, it's not what's wrong with you. It's what happened to you. And you like, are why? probably correct. Although I will say that uh, just because something happened to you doesn't mean that all is forgiven. No, because there are consequences I mean, to the things that you do. No, of of course, but yeah. like, like I'm not saying I. Like as somebody looking at the situation, not involved with it, my thought is not what's wrong with this person. Why the fuck did this happen? It's like obviously something happened to this person, which which is what led this to happen. Now, like the the repercussions of the situation and the fact that I I think that these people should have separated, um, it, that that mm. stands true, um. And I also think that like there's obviously some sort of deep seated issues here at play that would lead someone to, you know, as you said, um, feel jealous towards their own kids. And like, obviously, you know, to me, not to like psychoanalyze these people, but because, uh, but because we have a podcast and we talk about these things, I will, I will, I'll give my opinion on what I think happened. I mean, if this guy, if this guy grew up without receiving love from his parents and then saw you know, the mother of his children showing love towards um, their kids in a way that he never received it. It would be easy to see how that could feel. Um, someone could feel jealous about that because it's this experience that they never got in, you know, in their childhood growing up. And then all of a sudden they're seeing this other person provide so much love and like you'd probably resent, you know, resent the people who are getting that love in a way that you never got it if you um you know didn't address those feelings uh in the first place yeah and i think i think you know you probably yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you're if, if you're a little bit right about some of that um not to like say that that's this person's no, no, story no, no, but like no, i'm no, saying no, i could no, see how that you're saying that from your from kind of like your experience and going to therapy and some and like you know the common things that are that have to do with why we are the way we are um and I think also what is playing into something like this is uh, Japanese cultural uh, norms and customs, and not to say that that's like a cultural norm to ignore your um, spouse for twenty years, but I kn- I do know that um, that Japanese culture has a myriad of like uh, of strict things, and I know that that talking about your feelings is not. Is is quite stigmatized, heavily stigmatized, um, which is one of the reasons why there is a minister for loneliness in Japan mm-hmm. and why suicide um, rates in Japan are also like really really high, mm-hmm. um, because because there isn't the feeling that there isn't broadly a feeling that talking about how you feel and why you're feeling that way is accessible, um, and. I I just like I man I thought of like the kid and it sounds like there's multiple kids like man could you imagine like yeah and then what that then does for their relationships because like what like you said it's not where you, it's not it's not um it's not um why am I losing losing my train of thought on that that 
phrase. It's not what's wrong with you. It's not what's wrong with you. It's what happened to you. And like these kids obviously all had something happen to them, which was their parents' relationship, which was basically not non-existent. Yeah. Oh man. Sad. Isn't it crazy that, that, so, so about the divorce thing, um, it does just go to show that like, just to, just to make a point on that, like it, it does go to show how not talking about things, how bad things can get. And it, it might feel easy to not talk about things like, Mm -hmm. like it's, it's easier to avoid this and just not talk about it. And like, like obviously they're living under uh, the same roof and they must have like some sort of amicable relationship where they're raising kids together. And so like, like it seems like that's something that could just get away from you. And like, you know, obviously in a way that's not okay. Yeah. But like, as that sort of, you know, one day turns into two days, it turns into three days. And then all of a sudden 20 years have gone by and that's your situation. So, um, now I I'm curious about your, I think that you would probably agree with what I'm about to say, mostly because of your experience with your parents getting divorced and your experience going to therapy. Um, but, um, I had a, I had a conversation with, uh, I had a conversation with a friend of ours a couple weeks ago when we were driving down the short club for Rich's show. And, I was basically saying, I think he, he was saying something to me about um, a, a particular relationship that was going through or a, a rough divorce, or maybe it was somebody in the relationship who had previously had a, like a really, a really crazy divorce or something, something to that effect. Anyway, and we ended up t- on the topic of divorce and I mentioned, um, you know, that I thought that divorce has a bad rep and I, and I think divorce has a bad rep because we just historically have just been bad at communicating because of cultural stigmas and taboos that we, that have, you know, pervaded North American society and like probably every culture in the world at some point, if not carrying on right now, that, um, that there is, uh, that we just don't talk. So like when things come up, when something happens in a relationship that needs attention because someone's feelings aren't being um, recognized or needs aren't being met or this or that or the thousand things that can come up, up in a relationship, instead of talking mm-hmm. about it, we just don't. Mm-hmm. And, then that, and then that brings resentment or guilt or whatever. And then that snowballs and then the relationship, but then the relationship stays together because maybe there's some sense that like if just the relationship stays together, that's really what matters and then, and then people go off and then they create secret lives, you know, and start other relationships and do this and do that. And it's like, well, that, that's all just a result. And then they get divorced and the divorce is horrible because in the divorce, all, all, all the dirt comes out Yeah, and everybody finds out about all the shitty things that we've done during the time where we were harboring all these feelings of resentment or whatever. But if just at the moment we were feeling those things, we had talked about it, then maybe there's something to be said about saving a relationship. But besides saving the relationship, at least you might be, t- be able to amicably come to the realization that being together is not the greatest path forward for, for both of you. Mm-hmm. And that because I think a relationship coming to an end should be a net positive for everybody, even if you're not the one that thinks the relationship should end. Yeah. Because... At the end of the day, if the other person thinks that, then you're in a relationship with somebody who doesn't want to be with you, and being with a person that doesn't want to be with you is not good for you. It should be, but it's also hard and it's also messy because um, what happens in relationships and like in my um, previous relationship, you know, like you say things to your partner when you when you're in these moments of like love and you know, like things like you know, like I want to spend the rest of my life with you, and I. Like I, I love you. I mean, I love you obviously, but I want to like I want to spend the rest of my life with you. Is like one of those things that you're like you're saying to this person. You're setting these expectations that your relationship will last forever. And then you know, even if in the moment that was the truest thing that like your heart really felt that way, and you were like, this is the person for me, and you're dating, and then you know the relationship starts to not feel that way. It's hard. It's now really hard because you've sort of set these expectations for your partner in yeah. a way that's unfair. You feel like you're, um, I shouldn't say unfair too, because like, I don't think that it's, I don't think that you should avoid 
saying things like that in the moment if you truly feel them. Sure. Um, but it, it does, it would really hurt for the person to hear you don't feel that way anymore. And then, you know, obviously it's that the person who's hearing that it's obviously their job now to like contend with those emotions and like try to like, you know, manage their emotions through that feeling. But it can oftentimes feel like, what the fuck did I do wrong? Like, how did it get this to this point? You know, and, and even if you're just bringing those feelings up for the first time in a relationship, you know, it's, yeah, it's really hard. Like, it's I, really, I totally agree. And I, and I, and I, and I hope that I don't come across as saying that, like, if you just bring it up <laughs> then like, yeah. well, as if bringing it up is the easiest thing to do in the world. Cause I know that that's very hard. But to the do. earlier you do it, the way better the final outcome totally will be for 100%. sure. And especially if you've got kids because the kids are seeing what you're doing and then they're basing what they feel about relationships off of what you do in your relationship. And so, so, so the, and the reason, one of the things that, that we got to in this conversation was like, well, if, so as hard as that is, no doubt to, as hard as it is to do that, no doubt to bring up those things up and have those conversations. If we can just improve if we can just improve on our sentiment of the word divorce or relationship ending or whatever, um, breakup, then we are way more likely to create a generation of kids that are at least marginally better at doing that than we were, mm-hmm. which in turn will hopefully create another generation, which is marginally better than them and so on and so forth. Yeah. So that, so that, you know, a few generations from now, divorce may be, doesn't carry with it the like huge negative mm-hmm. connotation. It does feel like like one other interesting thing about, you know, like as somebody who grew up watching rom-coms, um as I've as I've said a bunch of times, um you know, the idea the way that m- the media portrays relationships and like how like, you know, the store like love stories and soulmates and things like that. I feel like do a disservice to real relationships. Um, oh yeah. And, oh, and yeah. I think that that's, um, it's, it's hard because like being in a relationship where someone's like, Oh, you're my soulmate. And like, this is like the storybook relationship that I've always wanted. You know, that then sets a person up for, you know, potentially, um, or having a really hard time with navigating the end of that relationship yeah if it comes to an end yeah and um like i i believe in like i think that i'm a um storybook love kind of guy in a sense like like i feel that way towards maddie um and and i also feel like at the same time uh that you know life happens to people and in you know 30 or 40 years it's it's hard to say that like that will be the exact same then as yeah. it is now. And People like, I hope it is. But if it isn't, then like, how do you navigate that? And how do you, that's a, that's it? a really good point. I do want to, I do want to move towards um, wrapping up with a couple points from, from, from this um, article, but it is a good point to make that like, you might change people change, people evolve and they grow. And if you, do, but again, if you don't communicate within a relationship, how you are feeling, then when you when you grow and evolve, you are going to do that independent of your partner. Mm-hmm. And when you both grow and evolve independently and not together, that's when you're growing mm-hmm. apart. But if you communicate, and I don't mean that, I don't I mean independently like I mean independently like in a neg in a, with a negative connotation, like pushing away. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you are open about how you are, how you feel like you are changing then again, we're not guaranteeing anything, but the odds are greater that your evolution will coincide a little bit with each other. Mm-hmm. I think too, when I, when I think about like my own thoughts on really getting into like some therapy, ther- some relationship therapy, <laughs> right. aren't we? Um, I'm not a therapist. I, th- I, th- I think the, the interesting thing though about like my thoughts personally, when I'm thinking about my thoughts on this situation, um, I grew up, like thinking that my parents had the perfect relationship, you know, like, like I grew up um, in a middle-class 
home with a house with a two car garage. And, um, you know, mm-hmm. my dad worked, my mom was a stay at home mom. And I was like, this is, this is great. Up until I was 15. Like I, I never thought that my parents would ever get divorced. I knew divorce was the thing, but you know, didn't think that it would be a thing for me or my parents. And then it happened. And all of a sudden you realize in that moment that th- something that you thought to be so true and like so solid and secure was no longer that. And so I think in experiencing that myself, I now have this perspective that even something that seems so amazing and so unbreakable can break and, and fall apart. And, and so I don't think it's like a, I don't think it's a, a, a negative perspective or like, or um, a sad outlook to think that a relationship can come to an end 20 or 30 or 40 years from now. I think it's, it's the reality of the situation. And like you're saying earlier, if you don't talk about, um, I think it's negative if you think it's the inevitable outcome. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, I've definitely struggled with the, you know, especially dating during that time. Like when I was in my like late teens, um, you know, I, I never wanted to like actually have a relationship with a person or date, like be boyfriend, girlfriend with the person um, at that time, because I would think about it and be like, well, we're not going to get married, you know? So like, so why the fuck would I date this person? Because I'm just inevitably going to have to break up Mm. with them. So like, what's the point? And so it like really prevented me consciously think that totally. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I guess that makes sense because you, you you were, you you know, your parents got divorced. Yeah. So like, like, why would I want to go through the end of a relationship that I know is going to likely going to be true? So I'll just keep people like always far enough away that I never have a really serious relationship. Every, that's so interesting. Every relationship that I was ever in, I always just treat it as if it would go on forever. Yeah. And not like, and not like in like a, not in like, Oh, we're going to get married. I just like, I just treat it as if like every day was a, like every day would come just as inevitably as the last day had passed. Like it was just like, it would just, that's just where we were. It was just like a day at a time. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. Crazy, you know? right? And your parents are still together. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, so the only thing that I wanted to say on this before we wrap up here, because we just had this whole thing about divorce and blah, 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 blah. Um, so Japan has a mega stigma on divorce. I think it was like basically a no-no. Mm-hmm. I mean, largely like it was in uh, uh, like uh, the 50s, like Western European, like uh, like um, Catholic church. culture and Catholic church. If you grew up like in, in you know, if, if, yeah, yeah, pre-1960s, probably like really big no-no to be divorced in, in North America. Um, but that continued a little bit longer, I think, in Japan. And has not softened as much as it has in our culture at all. Um, a case in point, there must be some reasonable, this is from a divorce lawyer, there must be some reasonable cause to grant divorce like infidelity or violence. Just an incompatibility cannot be a cause for divorce in Japan. Mm, that's okay. So that's a major barrier. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's pretty much why people, that's why a lot of people need to be not together. Yeah. It's because they shouldn't be. Probably, I mean, I shouldn't say the primary reason, but should be the first reason. Certainly should be. Um, obviously, infidelity or violence are both, you know, horrible things mm-hmm. that we hope doesn't happen to anybody, but we know that they do. Um, the 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 last thing too I wanted to say about about divorce and how it can affect um, someone, just in like in nature of sharing, in case somebody else is going through something like this. But like a lot of things I talk about in therapy is like a. I'll use the word fear, but I don't feel afraid of it, but, but, um, sort of like a fear of commitment or an aversion to commitment. Um, not in the sense that like, you're not willing to be committed to something, but like in a, in a sense that like, sort of like, what's the point? Cause it's going to end there. It could end. Right. Right. And so that's why um, I never watch movies. That's why, that's why you don't watch movies. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Cause you know, it's going to end, but also, um, also, um, like why getting, start it? getting married myself, like, like Maddie definitely wants to have a wedding. And for me, I just like have never, I find it so hard to think about getting married, like having an actual like formal celebration of it. Not because I, and again, like it has nothing to do with like m- my relationship and thinking that it 
yeah. that it's going to end. It's just like, what's the point of this? Because this actually doesn't mean anything. You know, like it really doesn't, this has no, like I can, I can be equally as committed as I am now, if not more committed without having any sort of this formal day celebration. This because this party like, and the money like, spent is not solidifying my relationship any more than it already is. No, because I've seen how it doesn't for other people. I mean, and, and preaching I mean, the choir, that, brother. That's like, I'm a, not married. I've got, and not, I've not, got a, yeah, I don't, I don't want to like say again, like it's not, this is my like trauma. Like this is not, it's not like this is my, this is my beliefs because it's rooted in my past experience. Like, like that's the reality of the situation for me. It doesn't have to be true, but that is the way that like I feel because of my experiences. Yeah. And it's so. weird because I feel the same way, but I don't have those experiences. Yeah. But you kind of do too, in a way. I mean, like, uh, because of like, oh, yeah. right, because, <laughs> because you because, grew up with um, me, because you're my brother, <laughs> um, right, and your mom is my second mom, so that makes which, in a way, total sense. You probably do have some of those, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Hmm. I don't know, hmm. maybe. Wow, well, that's a nice little can of worms <laughs> to end with. Um, okay, thank you everybody for tuning in. Hope you're feeling good. Hope you're feeling. Hope you're feeling a little bit philosophic about your relationships. Um, after our little expose on them and uh, all the interesting things that we covered in today's episode. Uh, if you liked the show, please rate, review, and subscribe. Go to uh, subscribe. Go to uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify and Amazon Music and, um, and Stitcher. Yeah, Are we on Stitcher? Podbean. Podbean. <laughs> There's some obscure ones out there. Um, We're recording this on a Monday because I'm on my way to a wedding. <laughs> Oh yeah, totally I'm forgot literally at a wedding right now. That's Probably right. while people are listening to this. Yeah, but anyway. Yeah, and Brian's really looking fun. around. Brian, really and this is what Brian's doing. He's sitting at the table because he's, he's standing in the wedding and he's sitting at the head table and he's going, "What's even the point? <laughs> Why even do it?" Uh, I'm uh, I'm emceeing, and there's a point in the uh, in the evening where we acknowledge all of the newlyweds who are there, and I'm just gonna go. <laughs> I'm gonna go. Can all of Can all of you guys stand up? And there's like 20 newlywed couples at this wedding. Now, at random, half of you sit down. <laughs> that's what I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> and go, that's how many of you are likely divorced. get divorced. <laughs> now, that's okay. Just communicate openly <clears throat> and everything will be all right. I'm just kidding. It'll be, it'll be great. And I, I do love uh, a good wedding um, celebration. Yep. Yeah, so rate, <laughs> review, and subscribe uh, your friends' relationships. <laughs> on um, whatever uh, platform does that. I'm sure there is a platform out there that probably does that. Um, uh, if you want to be a guest on the show, go to sickboypodcast.com and fill out the form on there or, uh, or nominate somebody or send us, a, uh, send us an email at letters at sickboypodcast.com if you know somebody like a researcher or a doctor or an author that's, uh, that's working on something interesting that's in the lane of um, health sciences and and maybe we'll have them on the show to talk to them on our Wednesday episodes. Yeah. And if you want to check out some of the other work that we're doing producing podcasts, you can check out uh, Snack Labs at wearesnack.io um, and oh, uh, send us a little, message there. Sneaky little plug there. A huge thank you to the people who make the show happen. Jeff Lonis, uh, Donovan Morgan, the music from Take Part and Rich O'Coin. Thank you all. We love you so much. That's it for this week. I'm Brian. I'm Taylor. And this is Sick Boy. <laughs>